Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Father, we thank you for your word today that we approach. It is your holy written word. We know, Father, that it is inspired of God. We know that it is full of light and wisdom and direction. And so we look to it today and we look to the author of this word, the Holy Spirit, who lives in our heart as a result of being born again. The Spirit of God has come to live in us as our teacher and our guide. And we thank you for that. We expect him today to open this word to our hearts and and to unveil what we need to see that we've not seen. That that we do not know, Father, teach us. That that we've not seen, show us. And the things that you have prepared for us, Father, we ask you to prepare us for those things in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, go with me to James chapter four. We looked at this passage last week, and I want to uh, take... Uh, some of the things that I said last week and then go uh, take it a little bit further into a slightly different direction today, but uh, they're all linked together. In James chapter four, in verse number 13, it says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. Well, now what was the boast that he's referring to? He said, now you boast in your arrogance. Well, well, what's he talking about? It must be what he just quoted them saying. You say today or tomorrow we go to such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. He said you're boasting in your arrogance because you didn't say if the Lord wills. Or put it this way, you didn't seek the Lord's will about your plans. And he says that is arrogance and boastful. It is arrogant and boastful. And he said, all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is is a sin. I don't think it it would do any damage to the text to just to add this. Therefore, to him who knows God's will, who knows to do God's will and does not do it, to him it is sin. That would be a true statement. And really, he's talking about the importance of putting God's will first place in your life. Instead of planning your own life and planning your own agenda and going your own way, he said you should first seek the will of God and and make all of your plans contingent, uh, contingent upon what his will is. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Even in the smallest affairs Well, I shouldn't say the smallest affairs of life, but the small affairs of life. I don't think you have to get the Lord's will on what shoes you wear uh, unless there's something out there that you don't know about, you know, that's ahead. But uh, generally speaking, we know how to dress ourselves. Uh, 
You know, you don't, you, don't, you don't need the Lord to lead you what to wear. If you look out the window and there's snow on the ground, you know not to go out in T-shirt and shorts. Isn't that right? Or if there's ice on the ground or something, or if it's storming, you know, to, to put on a top coat or wear something, you know. So there are some things that, that we know, but when we're doing things that involve significance in our lives, we need to find out what the will of the Lord is first of all. Now, we talked last week about the importance of consecration. And Brother Hagen, uh, Kenneth Hagen, made the statement a number of years ago, reflecting on the ministry that he was in and, and the things that he had seen over his life. This was in the 1990s, the mid-1990s. And he made this statement. He said, uh, or, he, or he said that he was reflecting on the things that he had experienced in ministry, in his meetings, in years, you know, before. And he said that he was talking to the Lord about it, that, uh, you know, we had, we seemed to have greater manifestations of the Spirit, greater demonstrations of the Spirit, and some of the most unusual things, just really miraculous things, would take place. He was talking about in his ministry and in his meetings, and he said, we don't see those today on the same scale. Now, he did see them, but not on the same scale that he'd seen before. He said, you know, we don't seem to have as great a demonstration as we had in days gone by. And the Lord said, yeah, and the people were more consecrated back then than they are today. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Consecration to the will of God is so important in our life. We need to put God first in everything we do. He needs to be number one. He needs to be our number one consideration. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these other things that you are concerned about and things that you need. He talked about housing and clothing and food and so forth. In other words, the necessities of life. He said, I know you need those things. And these are the things that the Gentiles, he said, seek after. He said, but don't seek after those things first. Seek first the kingdom of God and I'll add all of those things to you. See, it all comes down to putting God first. Amen. Well, uh, putting, seeking God and seeking his will uh, automatically then takes us to the point of, or or to the place of then knowing God's will. The scripture says, do not be unwise, but know what the will of the Lord is. Now that's, that's a commandment. In fact, it's in the fifth chapter of Ephesians. It's in the same, it's in the same chapter and just a couple of verses from where he said, be filled with the Spirit. As Spirit-filled people and Pentecostal people, charismatic people, we like to talk about the fact that God commanded in, in uh, Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. That's not a suggestion, that's a commandment. Well, just a couple of verses before that, he said, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Sounds just as much like a command as the other one did. We're instructed to know what the will of the Lord is. 
Most Christians don't know what the Lord's will is for their lives. They go about trying to find out all the wrong ways. But one of the big problems that people have or or one of the big things that interferes with knowing the will of the Lord is, is a lack of consecration. It's very difficult for the Holy Spirit to give you direction in life when you are not fully surrendered to him. When your will is not surrendered to God's will, it's very difficult for the Spirit of the Lord to lead you. Amen. Your own plans and desires will get in the way and create false leadings. I hear people... I mean, still, just to, just I, I hear these things ongoing. Now, I'm not talking about something 40 years ago or 20 years ago or two years ago. I'm talking about in, in today's life, I still hear people telling me, well, the Lord's led me to do so and so. And, and I think to myself, well, that couldn't be because that's not even scriptural. Yeah, but the Lord told me to. The Lord led me to do such and such. Other things... You don't know, it's not necessarily unscriptural, but a lot of times people will tell me, well, I just feel led to do this and this is the direction of the Lord. And on the inside of me, I just know. And you say, well, are you smart? It's not done anything to do with being smart. It's a spiritual knowing. And you just know, you, you've done that. You've had friends and acquaintances that have told you they were gonna do such and such. And, 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 and you've said, are you sure about that? How many of you have ever done that before? You said, are you sure about that? Oh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. And you've said, I don't know if I was you, I'd pray about that again. Amen. Amen. No, because we all have the Holy Spirit and we have the ability to perceive the will of the Lord in our own lives, but sometimes you can perceive it for other people. You just pick up things. And I've had people tell me, well, the Lord's led me to do such and such. And I said, well, you know, you you might ought to pray about that. Oh, I prayed about it. And I said, well, you know what? You're going to have to go your own way. But I just sit back and watch. And sometimes, not saying every time, not saying I'm always right, but but many times I look back and and over a period of time, over the passage of time, you see, boy, that was a terrible mistake, terrible choice they made in life. We talked last week about coming to a a certain crossroads in life. There are certain things and places that we come to in life that are in effect a crossroad or a fork in the road. And there are some places and some decisions in life that are far more weighty or far more important than we understand at the time. And not taking the time to seek God about things that look like little things can end up in you going down the wrong road and end up in destruction in your life or something that's completely uh, where the enemy just has a heyday in your life simply because you didn't ask. We have an illustration here. Those of you, he said, he said, there were some of you who say, we're going to such and such a city and we're going to, to uh, stay there a year, and we're gonna buy and sell and make profit. See, to them, it was the decision they made on their own. 
No, now no one would, would no, no intelligent person would go to a city that's economically depressed where the business that they have, nobody in that city prospers in that business. Nobody buys that product. You, you would do your homework a little bit. And you'd say, well, I've got this thing I'm gonna you know, buy and sell and, and, and do business in. You would do your homework. You wouldn't just pick some city you know, and, 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 uh, and just go there. You, know, you, you, would, you wouldn't go to Detroit right now and try to create a new job, you know, a new uh, car industry, would you? No. So people do natural due diligence, but they don't do spiritual due diligence. That ought to come first. That ought to come first. He said, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. See, when you say, if the Lord wills, then you've, just like, that's the same thing Jesus said. It's just like he said. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. When you say, if the Lord wills, what you're doing is you're opening the door then for the Holy Spirit to give direction. But whenever you, you don't open, if you never open that door, he won't push his way in. He'll just let you do things. I, I've learned the hard way. Back, back in, in 1978, I was working for uh, the telephone company. I was working for, uh, this was back before the breakup of, of AT&T. And one of their uh, uh, companies was called Western Electric. And that's actually who I worked for. Western Electric manufactured uh, all of the switch gear that the uh, uh, AT&T and subsidiaries, Bell, you know, Southern Bell and all the other Bells around the country. Uh, at Western Electric was the manufacturer of all those equipment. You picked up one of the old telephones and turned it over, it would say Western Electric. But I worked for the installation division of Western Electric, and our job was to install the switchgear in telephone offices. And I print first worked downtown Jacksonville, the big, tall, you know, 12-story telephone building, you know, with the microwave towers on top and all the switchgear inside. That's, I, I was an installer. I installed switchgear. And then after about uh, three or four years, they moved me over into another division where I started, started installing PBX systems, which was called that's private branch exchange, exchange, a little miniature telephone system in businesses. And, and I installed them all over uh, North Florida from Ferndina uh, down to uh, uh, south of St. Augustine and as far you know, uh, west as Penny Farms. I mean, just all little, little places, principally in Jacksonville, though, in large businesses. And I trained in this system, and it was called a, di- a Dimension PBX. It was the very, this is way back now, this is 1970s. It was the late 70s. It was the very first solid state PBX. All the ones that I'd worked in before were the old mechanical relay, relay type that chattered, you know, and made noise. This was a silent, you know, solid state. So I'd, I went to Ohio and trained, you know, and got certification in it. And so I installed a few of them around Jacksonville. Then they called one day and they said, we've got a couple of jobs overseas. And would you like to take it? You've been selected, you know, to, to transfer out of the, of the installation division and transfer over into AT&T Global for a short period of time and just to do a job and then you'll come back. Well, man, my head just swelled. You know, I thought, ooh, man, they like me. I'm somebody. So we have two, two locations that you can choose from. One is Cairo and the other one is Taipei in, in Taiwan. Well, at that time, you know, uh, terrorism was just beginning to, to uh, uh, really... Uh, raise its head, you know, in the world, and there were a lot of hijackings, 
particularly in the Middle East, particularly in Egypt. And I thought, you know, I don't think I want to go to Cairo. I'd like to go to Cairo and in the afternoon drive out and see a pyramid or something, but I really don't want to get hijacked, you know. And so I said, well, I'll just go to a nice safe place. I'll take the Taiwan job. And I'll get to go to China, never been to China, never, never been out of the country at that time. Just a young man, you know, I thought that would be great. So, you know, I, I prayed about it because I, I was in the word, you know, and uh, I, I went over there, I took a suitcase and the, the suitcase was filled with cassette tapes and uh, of Kenneth Hagen and Kenneth Copeland. I was, I was in the word, you know. And, uh, and so I knew to pray about it, but I wanted to go so bad. And something about it didn't sit right on the inside, but I just, I just wanted it so bad. I just wanted to go. I wanted to I'd travel the world, you know, and see, you know, exciting things and be a hot shot, you know, go over there and, you know, be the, be the man that comes in from USA to put in this big, it was a, it was a switch, switch system, a PBX for the new Taiwanese uh, airport just outside of Taipei, 2,000 extensions. So it was really a, a small telephone office. I'm going to install the whole thing. I'm going to be over the whole thing. There were engineers there, Taiwanese engineers, they worked for me. Boy, I was cool. I wanted to go so bad that I convinced myself this has to be God. The whole time, just something down real down deep in me. And I knew better. I knew to listen to that. I'd heard the teaching. But I heard the teaching. I heard what I'm telling you this morning. And I overrode it. And I went anyway. I hadn't been over there, I mean, I think a week. And, and Jimmy Carter was president. And I don't know, I, had, I wasn't reading the newspapers. Maybe I should have foreseen this. I hadn't heard anything about it. Maybe this you know, had been developing, but I didn't know it. Out of the blue, Jimmy Carter breaks off diplomatic relations with Taiwan in favor of China. You know, mainland China, Beijing. And all of a sudden, they are protesting, throwing bricks in the street, protesting America. I'm staying at this big fancy Chinese hotel. You know, it looked like a big, a big pagoda, you know, this big Chinese looking thing. And they had to put police around the perimeter of the building. All of the officials from the United States who were there to work out this deal of breaking off, they were staying in the hotel I was in. So all the protests were all around this hotel. You couldn't go out. I'm stuck in there. And I'm telling you what, I, I, was, I realized all of a sudden you made a big mistake. I got over there and nothing on the system worked right at all. Nothing. And I go into all, I had multiple layers of problems with the system. I was actually doing three different jobs a day and in the evening, I was going downtown to their big telephone office, their high-rise telephone office, and working on a system down there that I didn't know anything about. And the engineers were standing around asking me questions I couldn't answer. And nothing, I mean, nothing worked out. Everything about the job was a total disaster. I was there a month. I would open my Bible to read, and it was like reading blank pages. God wouldn't talk to me. He wouldn't give me any direction. 
I'd listen to, to a cassette tape. It sounded like, you know, uh, babble. I mean, I, I, it was like heaven was just closed. And it was Christmas. I went over to that. I went over there right the day after or the, right after Thanksgiving, I think the week after Thanksgiving. And they asked me before I left, they said, Mr. Anderson, are you sure you're going to want to be over there during Christmas, you know, away from your family? I thought to myself, I'm in China. It's not like it's a Christian nation. They won't even know it's Christmas over there. Oh, yes, they did. Every time I walked out of my room, the elevator, they're playing Christmas carols. And all the little Chinese men, they're all about this tall. I felt like a big guy, you know. All these little guys, they go, oh, Mr. Anderson, you know, go home for the holidays. Oh, so sorry. (laughs) After about four or five days of that, I wanted to just, oh, so sorry, Mr. Anderson. (laughs) Oh, you know, go home. You're so sad. He said, get out of my face. (laughs) I'm telling you, it'll cost you Dearly, it'll cost you dearly to not put God first. And that cost me. It cost me in a lot of, I had a lot of problems over there, a lot of issues that, that were not resolved when I left. When my time was up that they had given me, they told me one month, I came home. And the job uh, wasn't complete because there, there were some issues that they didn't tell me about that I wasn't aware of some things I wasn't trained for. And uh, so I came home. And I'll tell you what, it set me back. More than anything, it set me back spiritually. More than anything, it set me back spiritually because I realized I had, I had disobeyed that leading, that knowing, that sense down on the inside, don't do this. But man, it just sounded so lucrative. I was going to make a lot of money and prestige. I was going to be the, when I came home back to Jacksonville, you know, I'd be that guy that went, you know, overseas and I'd probably get other offers after that. Who knows? I might parlay that into an international telephone career. Well, none of that happened. But mainly, I suffered spiritually because I disobeyed the leading of the Lord because I wanted to do it. Yeah, the Lord could have really broken through and showed me some things. He could have given me a vision. He could have dealt with me more dramatically about it. But you see, I had made up my mind, I'm gonna do it. And I created a false sense of leading. I uh, I mistook my intense desire as the leading of the Lord. Well, amen. Lack of consecration will get you into trouble. Amen. God doesn't guide us by our feelings. God is a spirit. The Bible says, Jesus said God is a spirit. He is a spirit being. He doesn't have a physical body. The physical body and the physical world that we have is something that doesn't exist in heaven. It was created in this natural universe for us. But it's not who we are. We are not physical. God is a spirit. The angels of God are spirits. And the Bible says when he created man, he created man. He said, let us make man in in our image and after our likeness or after our likeness and one of those, image and likeness. 
In other words, we were created like to be like God. We were created in the same uh, class of creature that God is. God is a spirit. We are spirits. And, uh, you know, most of the church world doesn't even understand that little principle. Most Christians believe that we're souls. That the inward man is a soul. That, and that the soul of man uh, gets born again. The soul of man doesn't get born again. It's the spirit of man that is born again. God is a spirit. And when we're born from above, we're born again. It's our inward man that gets born again. We have a soul and we live in a physical body. It, I tell you what, it would be such a huge thing if people would actually live with the reality of that. Not just understand the concept. Anybody can repeat words and understand a concept. But until you become conscious of the fact that you are a spirit, that you're a spirit being, and, 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 and begin to develop that spirit nature, the leadings of the Lord are going to be indistinct. Because, see, God is not a body. He's not a physical being. Therefore, he doesn't, he doesn't contact us through our body. God is not a mind. He doesn't contact us through our intellect, our mind, our emotions. It's not how he contacts us. God is a spirit, and he contacts us through our spirit, the inward man. And also, not only does God not contact us through our body or through the flesh, he doesn't respond to the desires of our flesh. God doesn't respond to our fleshly desires. He's not, he's not moved by those things. He doesn't, he doesn't respond to the intellect of men. That's why there are a lot of people, I know people, and you probably do too, who genuinely, as much as they can, they genuinely want to know the truth about God. But they remain unconvinced. They remain uh, agnostic. And you would think, well, Lord, why don't you reveal yourself to them? They, they tell me, I've talked to people like that. They say, I, I want to believe I want to know there's a God. I, I, I've, I've searched. I just don't see the reality of it. You, you would think, well, God, you know, they're hungry. They're searching. Why don't, you, why don't you respond? God does not respond to the intellect and the yearnings of men intellectually or physically. He responds to the spirit of man. And a lot of times what we find when people are saying, oh, I want to know God, it's all an intellectual thing. It's not a spiritual matter at all. They're just, they're just in their mind, they're trying to figure out God. You can never figure out God with your mind. God reveals himself through his word and he'll take that word and reveal it to your heart. Amen. And and. You know, there's, there's this guy that I know that I went to school with and, you know, I, and I talk to him every now and then on Facebook. You know, he'll say, Edwin, I want to believe. 
He said, I've got good friends like you and others who, who are good Christians, and I've spent hours and hours with this other man we went to school with. I spent hours and hours. This man is now, in a, he's, a, he's a pharmacist and an attorney. And uh, he said, I have spent hours and hours with, you know, with our, our mutual friend who's a good Christian and, and, and talk to him. And I so envy what you have. I envy the fact that you can believe these things. He said, I just, I just don't seem to have faith. See, the problem is, is he's all up here because I know from the Bible that when the word of God comes, faith comes. The reality is, and I've told him this, your problem, I don't think I've said it like this, but I need to. Your problem is, you, it's not that you can't believe, you choose not to believe. Because you could believe, but you see, that would mess with your intellect. You could choose to believe, but you'd have to override your natural thinking. And you choose to put, keep your natural thinking as your God you have crowned your life with your intellect and you will not believe something that's told you when you could. I know you could because faith comes by hearing. Faith is there. What does it say about people who, who will be left in this world when the church is called away? They'll face destruction because they refused to believe. They refused to. That tells me they heard and they made a decision. I'm saying all that to say this. Being led of God is a matter of the inward man, not your mind, not your feelings, not your emotions. God doesn't respond to those things. He doesn't contact us that way. When I, when I was, you know, trying to decide whether, whether you know, I mean, I'd already decided I'm going to Taiwan. But when I would pray about it, something on the inside, just, just something, just said, don't do that. But no! Don't you know, inward man, don't you know this is a good gig? Don't you know this will be great, it'll be fun, it'll be enlightening and it'll be thrilling and... Listen, surrender to God first. Put him... Get on your face as a, on, on a regular basis. This is not a one-time do it. This is not a one-time for all proposition. Jesus went back in the Garden of Gethsemane three times and repeated that prayer of consecration. That tells me that the prayer of consecration is not something you pray one time and, well, I've done that, now I'm consecrated. Because the natural world and natural desires of the flesh are always present. The arrogance of the natural mind, which is what James was talking about, the arrogance that I can do it, I can do this, leave, leave me alone, God, I've got this under control. I know what I'm doing. That natural arrogance all of us have to deal with. Keep yourself consecrated wholly to the Lord. Stay in a place where you say, God, and, and, if you, and if you don't do this on a regular basis, get in the habit of doing it. God, whatever you want is what I want. Whatever is best for me in your eyes, that's what I want. Here, here's the key, no matter what. If you don't add no matter what, you're not fully surrendered. 
If you don't add no matter what, you're not fully surrendered. Because I'm going to, I'll tell you, the Lord will give you some directions sometimes that you don't want when you first get it. Ultimately, you really do, but you won't think so. The Lord will give you some direction sometimes that you think, I don't want to do that. That's going to cost me. That's not going to work out. I don't, I just, I'm just not interested in that, Lord. I have, other, I have another plan. I'd rather do something else. Isn't that what Jesus said? Lord, I'd rather not go to the cross. I'd rather not. If, you, if, if Jesus had those feelings, I'd rather not. What do you think about us? Yeah, the leading of the Lord sometimes will go contrary to what you want. But if, you've, if you live a life where you're continually reminding yourself, it's not what I want, it's what God wants. Not my will, but your will be done. The Lord then will be free to lead you and you will, you will more easily follow the direction of the Lord even when, you, when it looks like it's not the greatest thing for you if you're in the habit of living surrendered to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.